Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. Put your hands together again for them. And uh, put your hands together for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will bless you. Will magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Amen. Are you excited to hear the word of the Lord? We want to honor the father of the house, Bishop Guma. the apostle joyous praise the name of the Lord and all of you the ministers of God now I want to know how many ministers are here if you are a minister raise your hand okay let me have if you're a minister stand up please if you're a minister of God stand up Uh, if you're a minister of God, stand up. Okay, I'm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, treating you like Sunday school. I'm just observing something. So we all agree that we are ministers. Please take your seats in Jesus' name. So you are well taught as a ministry. The fact that you know that everybody here is a minister. In Christ, we are all ministers, regardless of age, gender. We are all ministers in, in Christ because a minister means a servant. That's why I said you were taught well, because all of you stood. So which means whatever's coming from this altar is your message. In my message, praise the name of the Lord. Mm. Your MA needs deliverance. I said, praise the name of the Lord. Um, I've been taught to create more answers. You see, when we stand on the altar, praise the name of the Lord. Ministers, you hear this? Because all of you ministers, this place is a solution providing place. So when we stand here, we give solutions. We don't create questions. Amen. Altars are used to provide answers, solutions. We create more answers, not questions. Amen. Um, that means answers bring clarity, isn't it? And they eliminate confusion. Why am I saying that? 
So some of you maybe came in a little bit later while we were worshiping. And uh, I was standing initially, then I sat down along the, along the way in the worship, amen. You know, discipleship is about observation. You remember what I told you? I was, I was growing and about when I came to the church, I was around about 15 coming to 16. And I could see some ministers worshiping, pocketing their hands, yeah? And the Holy Spirit told me, never do that. And I was young in the Lord, by the way. He told me, you see, never do that. Never think that you are important. Are you hearing me? So my sister Mercy and all the worship team and everybody in the congregation who was observing today, as I sat down, it was not like one of them important time of a man of God that while everybody else is worshiping, he's sitting down, okay? Why am I saying that? Because there's a young generation looking at us. Are you hearing me? Jesus was, bo was both man and God while he walked the earth. You remember? Although he was God, but the man side of Jesus, when he was in the boat, Jesus slept. Now, God doesn't sleep. We all know that. So it was not God that was sleeping. The Jesus man, the man was sleeping. So it doesn't mean, I'm not saying I sat down to sleep. What I mean is, I had um, a heavy week. My body, my lower back could not sustain me throughout the worship. Amen. Eh? That's why I sat down. Now, there's a lot of, you know why, I, why I'm telling you that? So that you, um, you may find comfort. And also not think that's a tradition. Now, I think I need to get to that place where, you see now, he, he maybe God has told him to sit down. No, he didn't tell me to sit down. You know why I'm saying this to you? So you don't emulate and copy certain practices thinking that's spirit. Or, because that's the problem when we grow up and as you grow up and as God grows you into your responsibility, you hear me? People look up to you. So that's why I said this is a place where we provide more answers. I'm giving you answers so that to eliminate a question to think probably I, was, I wasn't too important to sit when everybody else is worshiping. But also it makes you to understand why I've explained that to you. Because we are in now discipleship, isn't it? So we have to correct everything. Are you hearing me? Why? So that you too, when you see someone else in the congregation. Why have I told my sister Mercy as a worship leader? I've led worship for years. Before I ever was entrusted to preach a sermon. Are you hearing me? And sometimes as you lead worship, you could see those that are sold out to it in the congregation and others who are not. And uh, why do I say that to her? So for her as a worship leader, not to think, and these guys, oh, probably I was despising their administration or can't. Of course, they don't think like that. But I'm creating answers. Are you hearing me? And eliminating the things. But also you too as a minister. Should you be the one standing and you see anybody in the congregation. You don't take it to heart. Because people go through various. They go through various situations in life. So they could be at a certain place. And there are other people actually in the expression to God. They find it comfortable to connect well when they are seated. And others they are. 
like Apostle Joyous, you could see how, how connection is moving around. Everybody has a way of expressing himself to God. Now, you cannot see the one who walks around and say, what's up? I, mean, I don't understand. Why is she walking about? That's the way they connect with their God. Others, you find them crying and you ask yourself, I've never cried. Why are they always crying? Hmm? Others, it is when they are lifting up their hands. Others just grab them and put them in their chest. That's the way they express. Emotions were given to us as a means to express our affection towards each other and towards God. Hmm? Although they do not and they are not supposed to dictate our decisions. This is important. Are you hearing me? There are people who connect. Now, if you were in the Balabiakuo era... For some reason, we took on um, an impartation and we crazy people like it for God because a man that raised us was crazy in love for Jesus. Hmm? He, became, he lived a selfless life. He didn't care about money. Are you hearing me? Can I tell you that this man died without having built a house? Apostle Balebe Kuba, yet he had a lot of money. He bought um, an, um, almost, is it 100 acres or plus in Natchesa, a land where he built houses for the orphans and the street children, those who didn't have anything. Are you hearing me? At one, there was one um, meeting that was taking place. They, it used to take place in Lugogo Indoor Stadium. There were two, I won't mention another minister. A young lady came and knelt before them as men of God and said, Hey, I'm at uni. My family doesn't have money. I don't have a job and I must finish my course. But men of God, pray for me because I'm being tempted. There's a man who wants to give me money so that I sleep with him. For me to finish my education. And I have no option and I'm yielding to this sin which I don't want because I want to finish my education. And I'm thinking of prostituting myself to finish. So he was listening, but the girl was not addressing Apostle Balabi. Kuba was addressing the other man of God. And as they were sat together. And he looked this way as if he's not listening. Then the other man of God reached out and began to pray. For the young lady, God will bless you. God increase you. God open a way. And then as he was starting to pray, Abalabi Kubo took the hand of the other man of God, his fellow minister, and took it off the head of the other girl and said, what are you doing? What are you praying for? Then he took off his watch. He had a, a watch that he had been blessed with, a golden watch. Very expensive, given to him as a gift while he was ministering in the U.S. He took it off and gave it to the young lady and told the young girl, this watch can pay for you for the rest till you finish university. Go sell the watch and they finish your university. You have to keep yourself pure for God. You don't need to go and prostitute and sleep with someone else. Are you hearing that? Selfless man. Every now and then when the offertory was collected, he made sure the widows in the ministry, 
many other people that he didn't know nothing about as they came to ministry. You see, he taught us to live a life that is not material-centered lifestyle. There's a lot of people, once you don't have single, when you don't have a tenner or anything in your account, your countenance drops, the crazy you gets to manifest. Because you don't have money. And you worry. You know what that means? You are still living. You're not dead. Christianity. Are you hearing me? A young lady was singing a song here. And they said Jesus. Ministry. Mass is the one that's been singing. And she said that Jesus died. Lived 33 years. And he never even owned a piece of land to bury him. He, even the grave was borrowed. But Jesus is the most successful, victorious man that has ever lived. But he didn't have a place to be buried. In our generation today, if you don't own a small plot where... If, you know what? He was such a failure that in his death, he even didn't have nowhere to be buried. I think we need to go back and revisit what we, what, what we spell to be success is not the way God spells success. You may think you're so successful, but yet before God, you're the greatest failure that has ever existed in, on earth. Until success is defined in light or in line with the purpose of God for which you are created, it is not properly defined. Are you hearing me? So we come to discipleship because it enables us to live a life that is Christ-centered. You hearing what I'm saying? Christ-centered, not material-centered lifestyle. You see, Prosperity is good. Somebody tell your friend prosperity is good. But it is not the aim of the cross. Prosperity is good, but it's not the aim of the cross. That's not why Jesus died and rose again. Prosperity is a bonus of righteous living, not the aim of the cross. If you, I would want you to write that thing down. That prosperity is not the aim of the cross. It is only a bonus of righteous living. The Bible says in Proverbs, good Googlers, you can Google it. It says that uh, prosperity is the reward for the righteous. Can you get it? Are you there in your Bibles? Prosperity is the reward for the righteous. It's not the aim of why Jesus Christ died. Anybody, any good Googlers in our, in our congregation found it? Prosperity is the reward for the righteous. The reason I want to say this to us is for us to understand this. The purpose of God has suffered so much in our generation because most people 
have got their own way of defining prosperity and the success and by doing so they've left out the reason why they were created praise the name of the Lord when you find it in your free time you find it Proverbs what 13.21 look at it Proverbs 13.21 if it already is there uh huh I'll, have, I'll give you that one before evil pursues sinners. Ibisiran, in Swahili, we call it Bahati Mbayazi na Mufuata Mwenye Dambi. Evil pursues the sinner, but righteousness, everybody read, but to the righteous good shall be. Put it in NIV. You know when I will, uh, that's the first Bible I, I got. It's not one of the best, but makes it. Mm-hmm. Everybody read trouble pursues the sinner but so prosperity or good things are just a bonus of righteous living do we all agree according to scripture prosperity good life is just a bonus a reward that's the way God praises you like you know Parents will praise our children for good manners and you reward them. God rewards his children for good manners, all right? So, but I want you to understand that the aim why Jesus died and rose again is not for your prosperity. And that's what has become the focus of the church and the purpose of God is suffering. And that's why many people stress and are depressed because I'm not having a going on. There's something, some, my life is not hard enough. Everybody else is going forward. True success is when you give response to the purpose of God upon your life. The reason you were created. If you are not responding to why you are here and answer your why, if you don't answer your why, you are a failure. When you do not pay attention to why you are here, why you attend church, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start running races that nobody has ever asked you to run. And you begin to, to scream, you are the winner, raise your hands without a prize. You run races nobody has ever asked you. And you scream that you are the winner without a prize to show for it. That is running outside of the purpose of God. God has never created you and I to gamble. There are many destiny gamblers. You are gambling, you are guessing. One of the key reasons as to why people are depressed is lack of understanding of why you are here. Can I answer someone? Loneliness is not the absence of affection. Loneliness is not the absence of affection, but the absence of direction. I said loneliness. I am lonely. I am bored. Boredom and loneliness let me say this. I'm going to say these things together. Let me first say the first one I said. Loneliness 
in an individual's life is not the absence of affection. That there is nobody showering you with affection. It, you can be, you see, a lonely person can be even in a marriage, but lonely. In a relationship, but lonely. What is missing? Direction. You see, people that have a sense of direction, they don't have time to do loneliness. I'm too busy to be lonely. Now, boredomness is not the absence of activity. Boredomness simply means you are lacking sense of direction. Are you hearing me? I'm so bored. People with a sense of direction can't be bored. Time is not enough. 24 hours is, seems like pew, because they have a sense of direction. Am I talking to someone in here? When you lack direction, everything is going to offend you in life. I don't think I'm talking to someone. If you lack a sense of direction, everything will offend you. But when you have a sense of direction, even an offense is a, is a catalyst to enable you fulfill destiny. When you have a sense of direction, anything that, is, that happens negatively, it enables you to find a clarity. If I have a sense of direction and things begin to happen against me, certain things are prophesied. Listen, certain negative things that happen to you, you who has defined the, uh, your sense of direction, they are only reinforcing you. Do you understand what I mean by that? They are only reinforcing you or assuring you that you are on the right course. Some of them negative happenings occur to give you clarity and, and also to sharpen you or to awaken you to the fact that you are actually detouring. So there are for challenges and crises for a man or woman whose destiny is defined or destination is defined. Everything works for their own good. Are you hearing me? If I said the other day, purpose is the reason God says things. I said like this, God says things. Whatever God says and does is done and said purposefully. You hear me? When God says something to you, behind every message of God, there is a particular purpose. Behind every happening of God or miracle, it has a particular purpose to serve. That's why I told you, child of God, that when a miracle or a divine event has finally served its purpose, it is no longer necessary. It is now suspended. And I gave you a clarity. Jesus went to the grave of a man called Lazarus who was dead and buried, decomposed and stinking. He calls him out, but the reason he raises Lazarus and in the story, he wants to communicate, I am the resurrection and life. 
He is acting out and also Jesus stands, he shows three things in that miracle. His apostolic, prophetic, and priesthood role. So every miracle of God has a specific purpose. If you celebrate a miracle without discovering its purpose, it has lost its purpose for which it has happened. Most of us, once we are healed, <laughs> God healed me. Why did God heal you? Oh, I, I didn't have a husband. Oh, I have one. Everything God does, he does it for a purpose. You are married for a purpose. You are still single for a purpose. And God permitted your marriage to shake for a purpose. Just like he permitted mine to shake and break. And we separated and divorced for six years for a purpose. Which now we are serving when he brought us back together. After six years of separation and divorce. Hmm? To show you nothing really dies except when you are willing for it to die. Nothing dies cheaply in the life of a believer unless a believer permits it to die. What you are not willing to fight for will die before it's time. God gave you those children for a purpose. You attend a specific church for a purpose. I never knew in my life that I would meet associate with a man called Guma R.G. Ruben Guma or Joyous Guma or anybody of you have met. Abuse happens when we do not define or discover why what is God's purpose? Why he has connected me with this man, with that woman, with that brother, with everybody you connect with. You cheaply take things on face value and you miss the purpose of God. When we not, do not discover the purpose of God, we begin to suffer. Church suffers as a church. Because And we hurt each other because we were ignorant for the initial purpose why he brought us together. Marriage is not enjoyment. You can't enjoy marriage where a purpose is not known. Marriage is more than robo-scattering. Most of you want to marry because you want to robo-scatter. You can't robo-scatter each other until you are 80. Are you hearing me? So if your initial reason for entering marriage is to robo-scatter, you are deluded. Maritally deluded. Are you hearing me? 
You see, true soulmates are goalmates. But I'm talking much more than a marriage. I'm talking about ministry. Jesus' assignment upon us as his disciples. Are you hearing me? We are in a marriage with Christ. Why did he marry you? Why are you married to Jesus? Why did he save you? Just to prosper you? And you, you enjoy whatever he gives to you? You have lost the mission of your husband. Because listen, when we talk about ministry and in relation to our personal relationships, I tell singles this, true goalmates, true soulmates are goalmates. You are looking for a partner? True soulmates are goalmates. You, like, you love prayer. He don't like prayer. You are not soulmates. You respect the word. He doesn't respect the word. How do you date a man who criticizes constantly the church? I don't... Church people are stupid. God doesn't exist. You are not spiritually goalmates. I don't believe in the Bible. You know that Jesus was a chippy. I mean, you know, you hear them. I was preaching on the streets and you've told me, you know, I don't believe in that chippy. Chippy is a slang they use for a carpenter. Now, you, <laughs> that's why will you see when purpose is not known uh, miles monroe says abuse is inevitable that's why there is pastoral abuse congregational abuse not only you sheep are abused you abuse us misuse us because you don't know our purpose that's why I will balance this generation and as long as I'm still alive with the grace God has given me in Jesus name Hmm? There was a season <laughs> that I allowed church people to penetrate my own family. And while everyone, in, I give time to the church people, church people, and neglect my first home, my first discipleship center, Jerusalem, my house. And what else? That's why you find many pastors' children disconnected with ministry and God and hating them congregant people because they love to take and take and take and when you say no a particular I'm sorry I'm not available why they don't think a pastor has to have time for his children now he you know he, he he's too important now he doesn't have our time excuse me my first responsibility after God is my family you see where there's no amen? Because lots of you, the sheep don't like that. They don't like that. They don't, yet they give themselves. When pastor needs them, their family comes first. I'm not available. But they want pastor to be available. Are you hearing me? Whether you don't, you see, the bitter julep is one that heals more than the sweet syrup. Have you noticed when you go to a doctor, the bitter julep is the one they record penicillin, quinine, chloroquine. The queen ones, those they are bitter, they're not sweet, aren't they? But they work a great deal. 
So it's the word that pierces you to the core that brings healing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So now, Jesus has called you to be made. You can't, can we go to Matthew 28? Tell your friend you can't make yourself. Another man must make you. It is arrogance to believe you can make yourself. Can I say that again? It's arrogance from hell for you to think you can make yourself. I don't need nobody. I'll make me. Listen, God has a way he makes men. I run away from somebody who's self-made. When people talk, nobody ever made me. God made me. I pose and I'm afraid of you. God uses men to make men. Okay, I'll quote you a scripture. It says in Psalms 127, Unless the Lord builds, have you ever seen physical hands of God coming in here, putting up these cameras, cleaning the church? I didn't see God physically coming in here, painting this church, looking beautiful the way it is. Now, did you... Was it recorded when you saw God appearing from heaven, fixing this pulpit? Yet God did it. Through instruments. Unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, what does that mean? Labor, they that labor to build it, build in vain. Unless... Those that want to build a house build according to the principles stipulated by God. They are building in vain. So whatever building that you are building for God must be built in accordance to the divine principles stipulated by heaven. In order for it to be God's house, God's family. If you are building your marriage outside of the principles of God, don't begin to attribute to God something that is outside of his principles. He does, it is a stranger. He doesn't know it. Oh, you're quiet now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, unless God builds a house, can I submit to you? Matthew 7 tells me a wise man. From verse 24, Matthew 7, isn't it? A wise man built his house, where? On the rock. And a fool built his where? And it says, he who, he who built his house on the rock, it is he who hears my word and puts it into practice. In other words, even Jesus builds you, Jesus is likening a believer to a house. Are you following me? Now the other one I said, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor to build it, labor in vain. Then he tells you, a wise man built a house. But how did he really build, build it? When he had the word and he allowed the word and he practiced the word, God builds us through his word. There are principles God has laid down to build a church, to build a body of believers as a family. Are you hearing me? 
So now when you start to say, I, I don't need no man, no woman to talk to me. Nobody makes me. Holy Ghost will make me. You are an ignorant believer. Actually, you are just exposing your ignorance to strangers. My Bible tells me in Proverbs, when a fool is quiet in the midst of the prudent, is considered wise. But, but a fool only exposes his foolishness to strangers by means of speech. So when a man opens his, and a woman opens his mouth for five minutes to talk, he gives you the opportunity to read his brain for you to know whether he has brains or porridge in there. So the next time you go thinking it is spiritual, it sounds spiritual, nobody made me, nobody makes me, you are a devil. The devil, nobody makes the devil. The devil made himself, I told you the other Sunday. Even though you killed Goliath, listen, even though you killed a bear and a lion, when you want an opportunity to kill Goliath, Saul asks, <coughs> whose son are you? Do you know that David came, I will kill that Goliath. How, how dare? He's spitting scriptures. A guy is moving in a, in a, a certain, he has a frequency of revelation. Nobody has a clue about. He says, how dare he, this man defies the armies of the God of Israel. I'm going to deal with this guy. He says, before you get the opportunity to deal with our problem, we want to know who's Son, are you? That is, ask him, David, who are you? Now go read in your psalm. Google as Google. As Saul asked him, whose son are you? Guess what? Saul only entrusted David with the opportunity to solve a national crisis after he had done, after they had done a CRB on him. They did a criminal record bureau check on him. And they were certain that the man was credible to solve this crisis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> they says, I am, this, this is David's reply. He didn't say, I am one of the guys here in Israel. In case king you didn't know, King Saul, I killed a bear. You know what I mean? And I killed a lion as well. You don't joke with me, you know? You know what happened? The guy says, I am the son of your servant, Jesse. Why? We are a house of servants. You should not be afraid of us. It gave comfort to Saul. He's coming from a house of servitude, servanthood. I can trust him with this opportunity. Never trust anybody with a ministerial position whose servanthood is not under check. No matter how glamorous and intelligent they think and sophisticated they are, they don't qualify to be, to be leaders until they prove to be servants. If you are too great to watch a church toilet, you're not needed for God. And that's the problem with this generation. Let me help you understand this. 
the most vulnerable moment of a preacher is when you minister powerfully. And the power of God, I remember when I was in Hyderabad, India. And as people hit on me as I'm praying for them, falling apart, people are struggling to... When I prayed for that girl who was 15 years deaf, born deaf, and her ears opened, everybody, you know these people with uh, those things... They were not even born again. Grab it for them because I preached. If you touch the hem of his garment and you will be healed. Now they were touching me, exercise, pulling me literally everywhere. In such a circumstance, like, let me help you, children of God who are growing. The most vulnerable moment of a believer, of a minister, is when you demonstrate power on a high level. And the praises of people around. That was a great sermon. Nobody teaches the way you teach. I've never heard anybody. Are you hearing me? That's why God has to lead you through the trenches of excommunication in a desert. And the criticism and the attacks before he promotes you and puts you on a display. Why? Because, listen, because praises can kill a man of God faster than lightning. Why? That's why some of you, you are going through a transition of criticism. Where nobody even acknowledges whether you're existing. What you do, nobody recognizes it. Even when you do good, people begin to turn around. God allows those things to humble you. We've all been there. We've all been there. Where nobody, I mean, nobody recognizes what you do. But you are the guy that has been there, leading all the prayer groups, praying Monday to Monday. You're the one that's opening up all the home cells. You're the one doing the door-to-door. But then, the, but then somebody will call you, you are the duck that diarrhea's diarrhea on the church toilet everywhere. And in the presence of everybody, God wants to deal with something in you. Regardless of the miracles and this, do you know who your man of God still is? Are you listening to me? Today's generation. <laughs> they hardly know their spiritual ABCs. Then they're already apostles. Apostles over what? I always tell people. The true mark of an apostle. Every, mark this. Every apostle has a precise. Are you hearing me? Every true apostle must have a remarkable encounter followed by, are you hearing me? A remarkable encounter with the person of Jesus Christ with a clear-cut message for a specific audience. Apostle Paul encounters Jesus, he tells him, you are an, uh, and told, you told him you are the light and to the audience is what? Gentiles. No, the moment he tried to come to Jerusalem, the apostle escaped in a basket. Yeah, he was humiliated. You will be humiliated in the territories you were never called. Church, are you here? This is important. Let me tell you, let me help you this. Do you know why God allows you to go through criticism, a season of attack when things don't make sense? Are you hearing me? 
There's a scripture and proverb that says, blows cleanse foolishness from the heart of a child. Have you ever read it? It says what? Blows, cleanse, foolishness. Now, this is not me. Somebody was a disapostle. <laughs> this apostle comes here to insult us. Huh? God tell God, me, I'm, I'm following God's word. Great men can accept correction, isn't it? Have you found the scripture? Blows, cleanse, Proverbs 20, 30 says, Lashes and wounds score evil, and the beatings clean. <laughs> now, you see, when Jesus met me, I had a problem. 96, I was asking Jesus, why are you giving me hard messages? That even when I preach them, somebody can drop a pin in the church. Give me exciting messages, Lord. I want to excite your people. Told me I didn't call you to excite. I called you as a weak trimmer to the body of Christ. Do you understand trimming? Trimming or pruning is for more fruitfulness. God does not prune you to kill you. God prunes you to increase you. Every suffering God permits is for your increase. But your ignorance of why he permits it is what depresses you. You didn't hear me. Your ignorance of why God permits such things to you is what depresses you. If you discover the purpose that God is enlarging me, I'm a small vessel. The quality and the size of your sanctification is what determines the size and the quality of your audience. Did you hear what I said? The quality... And the depth of your sanctification, the size, the more... You know what I mean by sanctification? <laughs> Pruning, purging. It is what determines your audience in God. Hmm? So thank you for the scripture that was there. 20, 30, it says, blows and wounds, scrub away evil. <laughs> you know, scrubbing? Have you scrubbed something... Anybody scrubbed and cleaned something and you're scrubbing that bathroom, you're scrubbing. I mean, it's a painful process for the thing you're scrubbing. But you who is scrubbing, your purpose is not to harm and hurt your bathroom. You are seeing and looking beyond the scrubbing. It's going to be nice. And guess what? Not only for you. Most times we keep our houses and bathrooms clean for when others visit our houses. So they can see we are clean. Eh? So... God cleans you to show off. <laughs> He's cleaning you out. That's why when they, he has a tendency, when the cleaning is over, he exposes you now. Actually, I should say he now displays you. God does not display dirty laundry. It is wicked people who display your dirty laundry. Now, let me also help you. When a man chooses to display dirty laundry for others, he's ignorant of God's purpose. Why? He has a tendency of hiding our... You know, the only time God will allow our laundry to be exposed when we have become stubborn and refused to learn from it. 
Are you hearing me? Where can you make blows? Somebody's going through blows. Can I also say this to you? By the way, some people ask, why is it me going through this? Why am I going through all this? Why? Can I answer you? Can I answer you? You see, you are going through whatever you're going through at this hour because of the purpose of God upon you. I have learned that we never choose our battles, but destiny chooses them for us. We don't choose our battles. Destiny does. We don't choose the tests and the trials. But yet every trial and test is proportionate. And in line with the purpose you carry. Think about somebody in the production, in the production department. He is, he has designed a product. It has a specific, it has its own specifications. But you see intent or purpose, intent is the reason products are designed. Things are designed, right? But every design must be tested. I don't know where I was and tried. I don't know where I was when I had a preacher ask their congregation that if you were the first one to have ever used your phone, how many, he asked, how many of you have new phones? And everybody lifted up. How many of you, you, are, you know you are the first possessor of that phone, the first one ever, you bought it new, and everybody raised their hands, said, and if you know you are the first use of that phone, lift up your hand. And uh, they all lifted up. He said, you're all liars. He said, you're not the first ones to use it. He said, he says, read. Inside, it says in that warrant, your guarantee. He said, it says, it, it says according to the manufacturer's, what? Uh, no, guarantee. The, in there, warrant. It says, it, this, this product has been what? Te tried and tested. Before it is guaranteed, they must test it. So before God takes you on a display, he tests you, tries you first. God tries you first before he entrusts you to thousands. Are you hearing me? Let me help you understand. Listen, if you can, I, when my marriage broke, and everybody was saying nasty stuff, and I was the summon on many pulpits in this Ugandan community in the UK. And I was hiding in secret and in depression. While I was crying, the Lord told me, if you can't handle negative criticism, you will never know how to manage praise. It says, I've allowed you. Let everybody talk. Manage negative criticism. Don't become bitter. Become better. And as you become better, learn to forgive and release them. Know that I am preparing you for somewhere. God would not have entrusted me to stand on this pulpit and the many pulpits and opportunities he has given and entrusted me to. Unless he had tested and tried this product before display. 
The problem with this generation, once display before testing. I don't care where you came from, how sophisticated you were. If God sends you to a certain ministry, you re relinquish your titles on that door. Because it's a different assignment, it's a different church. And if he sent you, humble yourself to the process. Now, you don't get many amen. You don't many, are you hearing me? Now everybody comes and I, this is how we used to do it where we were. Where, 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 where I came from. This is not where you came from. You don't want to hear this. This is not where you came from. If God wanted you where you came from, you'd be where you came from. Fact that he sent you here, your mission and assignment where you were is, was ended. You see, God can't entrust power to anyone who cannot submit. The criterion, uh, the first criterion to power is submission. I didn't say it. Check 1 Peter 5, 5, 7. Check James 4, 6. God gives more grace to the humble, but he elbows. He resists, that means he elbows the arrogant. By the way, can I also submit to you biblical submission? Can we define biblical submission? Are you here? What's biblical submission? The interpretation biblically. What is biblical submission? Can I say this to you? Biblical submission is the willingness to lose your right for being right even when you know that you are right. So there's a lot of people who have never submitted. There are many times my wife may come at me and I've not done anything wrong. And she insists on her way. And I submit. I lose my willingness for being right. Even when I know I'm right, I say, okay, win so that I, you lose, let me lose so that I can win. As you win, I am going to win. This I'm not just talking about in sense of a marriage alone. It applies but to ministry. The willingness for being your right, even when you know that your right is not foolishness. Submission is for the wise. The fools can't submit. Jesus knew who he was. He, okay, you say, that definition... Give us a scripture that attaches to it. Jesus' life. He stands before Pontius Pilate. Are you, I mean, whatever they have said, defend yourself. You know, I can, you know, I can, I can cause you to escape. Jesus refused to defend himself before Pontius Pilate. All the accusations were false about Jesus, isn't it? Did he defend himself? He submitted to death. He was, he lost, he was willing to lose his, what? What did I say submission was? He lost his right for being right even when you knew he was right. Most battles will lose them because we insist on being right.
I was right. You know that church, they must run it like this. Have you ever started a church to tell people how to run a church? Some people are so arrogant. This is not a, church is not, listen, church is not a business. It's not a, a shopping mall. It's not a grocery store. Now you don't want to hear this. Are you hearing me? Who told you you know best? If you knew best, God would have chosen you to be the one leading it. If you were better, you would have been the one God chose or called. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of people who display ignorance of a high caliber. Huh? Let me show you. Read for me 1 Corinthians. Can we read it from chapter 1? Let's start from verse 15. Somebody say, I love Jesus. Are you enjoying church? If you're not enjoying, you need deliverance. Hallelujah. Jesus is our life. Death has lost his victory. The grave has been denied. Our Jesus is forever. Is it here? Uh, have, have we found it? First Corinthians? One from verse 15. You found it or you're waiting for our Bible on the, on the display? Hmm. <coughs> okay. Can we start from verse 18, please? Okay, uh, verse, uh, verse 16, did I say 16 or 18? 18, please, thank you. Uh-huh, let's read. First of all, you know, for the message, let's go. Mm -hmm. For the message of the cross is what? To those who are, let me tell you something. There's nothing, according, you see this message of Jesus Christ, the cross is foolishness. If you subscribe to Christianity, initially you subscribed to divine foolishness. Are you hearing me? Um, I saw a man with my naked eyes with a leg cancer. And Apostle Balabi Kubo told us, put God on the tiptoes. And the man was seated. He came in, cancer had eaten, the leg could not straighten. And the apostle says, I said, I don't care whether you're sick. I said, everybody in the presence of God, put God on the tiptoes and lift up your hands to heaven. Everybody lifted up their hands. So why are you sitting? The man, and the man tried to show apostle, you know, to, to, I mean, to solicit for some sympathy from him. A man did. I said, stand up. Whether your feet is, I don't care what's wrong with you. Stand up. Put God on the tiptoes. As a man stood doing this tiptoes, you know, it's foolish. It sounds foolish. We are putting God on the tiptoes. We are tiptoeing and lifting up our hands and then as we worship. And you know what song we were worshiping? Katonda <laughs> chitafe. 
As we were, and, and he continues, hey, and you see this one walks around like that. Some, there's some people that, you know, with the Holy Spirit, you know, we, we grew up in a church where expression through the Holy Spirit, everybody, the way God, are, are you hearing me? This man, when he worshipped and go to a certain place, you know that thing, called me. I don't care whether sometimes you see when they're leading me, I scream. You know that you get to a certain place and the song hits a certain note in your inner man. And you forget that somebody's other. Hey! And you don't know why you are saying, hey? but something is taking place. As he was worshiping, guess what? Before my own eyes, I saw the first Holy Ghost surgery. The man and the apostle said, watch! The cancer, there was an operation. And the, the things that were cancerous were flowing on the floor. The man who could not stand stood and was healed. The pain disappeared. Are you hearing me? The pain disappeared in that service. That is not yet. The next two days, the man came and the scar had disappeared. cancer but why did I give you the miracle it was preceded by a foolish instruction to the natural a foolish instruction to the natural my spiritual father apostle Tony Sechans told one of his daughters when we are taught in leadership are you hearing me my father insists when you go through discipleship that's why in Kenya they do it we all do it. After discipleship, everybody's rotted. The first act of servanthood is to be rotted to wash the church toilet. And there was this businesswoman who was bringing in containers from China. She was, after she went through the discipleship, after six weeks, we are going to rotter you. I said after these six weeks, we are going to rotter you. This woman, guess what? To be rotted to wash a church toilet. And she was like, <laughs> she knows she gives big. She imports more containers from China. <laughs> I mean, how can man of God for sure? This, and now, it is not the man of God even rotting her. It is the departmental leader for the mentorship department that is responsible for discipling everybody that walks through that door. And is, uh, has rotted her regardless of her dignity. And guess what? <laughs> and she said she ain't washing no toilet. She refused. I ain't doing this crap. Huh, okay. She, and, the, and the young lady came and reported to my papa. Papa said, don't worry about her. Let's take the matter to Jesus. 
The woman went to bed and Jesus appeared to her and told her, you have grieved the heart of my son and you've grieved my heart. You disobeyed an instruction I gave to you. You refused to wash my toilet. Jesus did not say the church toilet. Who did he call it? And he warned her. She had to choose between washing the toilet and her life. Yet when she came to discover, my papa told them, don't worry. If she has refused to, he decided to be one wash, to wash for her rota. The apostle of the house, he started to wash the toilet for her. And Jesus appeared to her. Who do you think you are? And when she came, I, I think, I don't know if it's my father or the Lord told her, now you wash the, when she came to my father, I think told her, you wash for the toilet. Is it three months or six months? Now you wash it for that, for disobeying. So she washed, as she washed the toilet, watch what happened. Her business grew. Grew. And she began to import more. Not only I hear from China, but from Singapore. She increased greatly. Just washing church toilet. Some of you, if you are too great to hold that door, if you are too big to clean a church toilet, you can't handle microphone. You can't get the church water right, so you want to go get the microphone right. <laughs> Somebody say, I hear you. Are we all here? <laughs> There's a lot of things that... Um, I believe people should learn. We should learn. Somebody say, I hear you. Now you can see a lot of people say, I want to serve God. Their idea of serving God is actually in the limelight for people to see me. If people see you, you have received your reward. What is your reward? People have seen you. So never think that there was um, a day you're going to come and then ask God <laughs> and then say, by the way, I, I, uh, for, 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 for me, um, uh, God, where is my reward? Re Many people have received their reward. People saw you. You want pastor to see you. He saw you doing it. So that's your reward. In heaven, forget there's no reward for you. You've already got it. Am I talking to somebody here? I saw somebody, yeah, because that's a reward you wanted and you've received it by how you have, you know, how you do it. See me service. <clears throat> Are you hearing me? See me service. And other people, it's the day the pastor doesn't recommend or commend on your service. You want to leave the church. Nobody says nothing to me, no matter what I do. Why are you doing it for me? Oh, you were doing it for, for Jesus Christ. Where's the church now? I said, where's the church now? Where's the church now? You're here. Don't worry, I won't keep you long. I wanted, I was looking for my, my mess. This is what I tell everybody that comes to, to, that comes to our church in Kenya. Because I was assigned here to disciple, to, 
to work with this ministry. So we must train you in the way you should go. Somebody say, I hear you. And all the body of Christ is the same, isn't it? <laughs> this is what I tell them. Congratulations on the free gift of eternal salvation which you received when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, the truth is, this, this truth is fundamental to the Christian faith and can build a strong and vibrant life in Christ and will yield for you an eternal harvest. Now I start on them. Somebody says start on them. That's what I tell them. I am well aware that some of you have been saved for quite some time and others long time. Some of you have been born again short time and you have all been under various church leaders where some of you have been actively involved in ministry and others inactively involved in those leadership ministries serving in various leaderships. However, somebody say however. And I also tell them this. I believe that whilst you are serving in those various leaderships, everybody listening, you have acquired or picked up both good and bad habits. Hello? Some of you come from churches where you picked up bad habits. Gossiping is, your, is the gospel of the ministry. Some people, it is battles. They love battles. Stupid battles. Are you hearing me? So they come armed to fight. Excuse me. Uh, those bad habits and good And I say this. And also you've picked up good discipline and bad disciplines. Some of you have picked up also good skills and bad skills. And finally, some of you have picked up wrong beliefs and right beliefs. So while you come here, and I go on to say, I strongly believe that if we are to walk, somebody say walk, if we are to walk and walk together. Are you listening to this? If we are, tell your neighbor, if we are to walk and walk together in the bond of unity effectively and to fulfill the same glorious future we have been called to. That is Ephesians 4 for yeah. We must we must be willing Aha, that's where now, this now I've started on you. We must be willing, some tell you never, we must be willing to relearn. To relearn. That's number one thing, relearn. You know what it means to relearn? Whatever you thought you knew, deject. You can't, uh, let me say what I always say. Yeah, these are my notes in case you are wondering, yeah. So, you must be willing to relearn what you have learned wrongly or differently. It may not be wrong, but you learned it differently. Are you hearing me? Different ministries, different churches, different, uh, different visions. The strategies may be the same to reach out, but the vision is unique to a house. Are you hearing this? So just because where you came from, you did it the way you did it, doesn't mean that's the same house as here. 
The visions, my brothers and sisters, are different. So we can't do it like where you came from because this is not where you came from. And it's not the same vision. The mission is the same. Saving souls, making disciples, but the vision is unique and tailored to a house. Am I talking to someone in here? That's, uh, okay, let's go on. You must, and you must be willing to learn. Tell them you must be willing to learn. The first step is relearn. And what, what's the next one? Be willing to learn new kingdom ways of service. Are you hearing me? Some, okay, by a show of hands, who of you have come from a ministry? Their number one criterion in the process of discipleship before you are appointed to serve, to even to carry a speaker or stand on the door, is to wash a church toilet. Where you come from, lift your hands if that's a the criterion of the ministry you came from. Only three of us. And seriously, my father is very strict about that. And so am I in the ministry in Kenya. As all my children that are watching online, I've always washed church toilet. And even when they schedule me to wash one here, it will not take away my anointing. It actually increases it. Can I hear somebody say amen? There is nothing small in the house of God provided the motive is pure and is unto Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Nothing is small in the house of God. Just as in this country, Britain, we have learned there is no small job and bad job. Every job provided you know the purpose that the job brings money and food on your table. Ain't no bad job. Like a job that brings you money. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So, you must be willing to relearn and you must be willing to learn new kingdom ways of service without this relearning. Children of God, you hear me? I got my six weeks and I want to use them precisely. Without this relearning and learning, we can't walk together smoothly. The scripture is clear in Amos 3. 3. How can two walk together unless they agree? Are you hearing me? What do we agree with? We agree with the mission and the vision of the house where God sends us. We don't, there are pro, people that have a problem. When God sends them somewhere, they want to redefine your, your vision. God never sent you to redefine a vision. I'm still on the same topic. If you understand the purpose of God, why he does things, why he sends you somewhere, why he says certain things, you're not going to be walking contrary to his will for your life. And that's where the blessing is. Somebody say, I hear you. Now, we can't walk together. We can't walk smoothly unless we agree. But you know what's going to happen when people don't agree? From time to time, we are going to find ourselves conflicting. Isn't it? We are going to find ourselves walking in conflicts. Therefore, to avoid these conflicts, the word of God counsels us. I want you to open Ephesians 4, 12, 13. 4, 12, 13. Don't worry, I'm not 
preaching any further. I want you to condense what I've said. And I'm laying my good foundations very thoroughly, precisely. Uh, uprooting some mannerisms and behaviors that have been existing. Because for when a teaching sits properly, it will sit properly. When we have cut off and pruned off all those, you call them hedgy stuff. Is it edgy or hedgy? You know, some of us, the accent is a problem. Read. For we know that God gave some to be apostles. Yes, we read it the other time. Okay, thank you very much, people in the media. Let's read quick to save time. And he himself, uh, Sam, for the decoration of the church, right? Oh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, right? Let's go 13. Why has he done all those things? After you are equipped and everybody gave you apostles and for the edifying and equipping the body of Christ, then verse 13, the purpose is revealed. Read, that we should, till we all do what? Go back to 13. Uh -huh. Go. Till we all come of the faith. You, know, you see, there is the unity of the faith. Doctrine of faith. Are you seeing there? We are not united until we are united in believing the same thing. And of what? There's unity of knowledge of the Son of God. Are you seeing that? To a perfect man, that means maturity. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are you hearing this? This is the reason God does that. My kingdom advice in conclusion is this. Everybody listening. Are you here? When you come to a new place. When God brings you. And some of you I know. I've, had, I've gone through this. When I've started ministry. And people jump on. From all over where God sends them, all right? Others send themselves in the name of God. And how do you know they sent themselves? Everybody comes, God sent me, you know? God sent me. But time proves whether God sent them or they sent themselves. How can God send you to a place and at the same time he removes you before you accomplish the purpose for which he sent you? That God is a fool, not the one I know. That's your own foolish God, not the creator of heaven and earth. You know, Christians, they love to, to make God talk to. God sent me. God spoke to me. They want to seem spiritual. God as man of God. God has sent me to you. We, we are going to walk this journey together. And when, <coughs> sooner or later you wonder, did they become ninjas or what? Are you hearing this? They have ghosted. And some of them live in a demonic manner without honoring, even telling you anything. They just become ninjas, a pew dishonor. But when they were saying, I was a fasting for a whole year, and God was telling me, this is my place. Guys, God has sent me. Now you make God, you, you destroy God's name. God sent you, you haven't finished what he sent you for, you ghosted. Your God, I don't want him. 
inconsistent, unreliable, confusing God. Well, you told me as a man of God, your God sent you to me. But you left me in the trenches when I most needed you. So you left me too as a man of God confused. And you're confusing. I wonder that God, if the same as mine. God sent me. <laughs> God sent me. But Jesus said, by your words, you will be judged. By your words, you'll be acquitted on the day of judgment. God sent you. God has sent me. Man of God to build. But what if God sent you, you will be gathering us, not scattering us. I have been in ministry to see. Those who claim God sent them, they just scatter the congregation. And I have marked people that scatter the congregation, bring none to church. I have taken note. There are people who don't celebrate increase, they celebrate decrease. When you start to increase, they become your friend. When you are increasing, they begin to, they want to eat their heart. It's like increase annoys them. And Jesus said, whoever gathers, is for me. Whoever scatters is against me. Now, watch every scatterer. Why am I teaching these things? I'm discipling you to see, to filter yourselves. Anybody that comes with a conversation that scatters, know that the scattering spirit is not from Jehovah Elohim. Jesus said, can I give you 10? Jesus said it in Matthew 12, 30. 12, 30. If I'm not mistaken, Matthew 12, 30 or 38, he said, whoever gathers, whoever scatters, he said, whoever gathers is with me. Whoever scatters is not with me. It should be Matthew or John. One of those, he said, whoever, Matthew 12, I think, 12, 30, roundabout, he said, whoever gathers is with me. Now you ask your neighbor, are you gathering or scattering? So in your conversation, guys, how do we scatter? We scatter with our words. We scatter with our behavior. You are ah, this church. I don't understand it. Why do you attend it? I don't understand that church. Why are you attending it? The people that scatter the church never leave the church. They scatter. Now I question, are you on assignment? Are you hearing me? Have you found my scripture? What, 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 verse, what, what book is it? Matthew what? 12, 30. So I was right. Glory to the Holy Ghost. Whoever scatters, display the scripture so the devil can see it. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Read it. Please. Uh, you are delaying me to close. I can't see it here. He said, Jesus said, whoever scatters, whoever scatters is not with me. So you may, you may rambra, or you may whatever you want, but Jesus says, you're not with me. I didn't say it. Jesus said, you're not with him. If you're a church scatterer, can we all speak louder? So if you're a church scatterer, tell your neighbor, 
if you're a church scatterer, look that neighbor in the eyes. Tell them, if you're a church scatterer, Jesus is not with you. You are claiming Jesus to be with you. There's another thing to claim is with you when he's not with you. You scatter, scatter. I don't understand this anointing. Why don't you show us your own? Did God ordain you for somebody to get anointing for you? How about you? Where they get it, you don't know where they get it. Why don't you get your own? That is superior to the one you despise. <laughs> yeah, this is to straighten you, discipleship. We can't have meaningful Christian relationships with this kind of behavior. Are you hearing me? I will start from there. I don't want you to start, you know, you know when you get a certain point, people switch off and they are tired. I will get you next Sunday proper in Jesus' name. Shout hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Shiloh LDN Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time, God bless.